So after the last few weeks, we have been talking about mental health concerns and and just how we're all um, we all carry this this burden of uh, this weight on us, this weight of the world, a weight of our problems, weight of our circumstances, anxiety, worry, depression, and and in that, uh, just trying to remind ourselves how uh, God offers us comfort and peace in the midst of that. Um, it, it doesn't make all your problems go away to become a Christian, and there's no magic formula of if you love God, then you'll you'll be completely healthy. But there is there is is this sense in which uh, our designer, our maker, our creator, the one who breathed life into us, who formed us out of the dust and and breathed life into us, that uh, gave his image inside of us. If anyone knows how we can be healthier, it's him. In fact, uh, one of the names of Jesus is the great physician. That's not just because of the healing he did. It's, it's also because of, of his ability to, to take brokenness and bring it back together. And so in that, we're going we're gonna to wrap that up this morning. And where, we're, where we've been headed, I, if you've been listening, I, I've, I've given us uh, the destination. Where, where we're going is into a practice that, that started early in the Old Testament that we have widely forgotten if if there's one of the 10 commandments that gets the least respect this is that commandment it is the fourth commandment will be in Exodus chapter 20 uh, uh in just a minute but as we as we do that uh, as God led the Israelite people out and Moses was their leader, led them into the desert. And then uh, Moses went up on the mountain to pray, received the word of God. He gave them uh, ten commandments. And the first four have to do with our relationship with God, right? I'm the Lord your God who rescued you. You must not have any God before me. You must not make an idol for yourself. You must not misuse the my name. And then the fourth commandment, which is the longest commandment, uh, sort of acts as a bridge between the commandments that have to do with God and the commandments that have to do with people. After the fourth commandment, you get to the fifth commandment, and then you get the uh, do not murder, not commit adultery, do not steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet your neighbor's wife or your your neighbor's cow. I, th- I think that's funny that they put that in uh, the same thing. It's not funny. It's it's sexist, and uh, uh, which you always have to remember the Bible was written in a paternalistic society. We have to reclaim some of the divine worth of women as we read the Bible in a modern way, uh, that, that it wasn't God's uh, design to make women less than. That's a different sermon, though. Let's, let's stay on track. But the fourth commandment is... is the longest, and I think uh, holds a key to us. Uh, if if there's anything that the Old Testament can give us for a modern day world, I, this might be that jewel for us. Uh, we're in uh, chapter 20, and I'm going to start in verse 8 of Exodus. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week to, for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest 
dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Sabbath practice. Uh, there's, uh, this has been a, uh, this is one of those things, uh, that once you start looking for it in scripture, it is something that is sprinkled, not just through the Old Testament, but through the entire, uh, account of scripture is our need to trust in God. And he asks us to do that, not by, by something we do, but by being willing to not do something on a particular day. We, we, we have a tendency to, to think that our energy, our effort, what we do is what's important to God. And, and our behavior is reflective of, of how we love God. They'll know we are Christians by our love. This is my command. You must love one another the way that I have loved you. But the secret to that is that we're not able to live in that way until we submit ourselves fully to God, human human interaction in and of itself, human wisdom, human uh, thought, human agenda is not able to accomplish the purpose of that. Hence, you have the whole story of salvation in which God demonstrated for us how desperately we needed him and then sent his son to show us that he always had an answer in store for us anyway, that through our relationship with his son, we can be made whole. The Sabbath practice has been a way to try to to help cement that into our minds. That, that even God rested after creation. Go back to Genesis. Seven days of creation. Six of them were active. And on the seventh day, the Lord rested. We, we, we miss that. Perhaps the most profound thing that God did in creation was at the end of it. And I don't think God is all, all powerful. He never needs anything. It's not like at the end of, uh, it's not like us at the end of a work week later. He's like, Oh my gosh, Jesus, we've just, man, bring some wine. We got to do something besides create, right? It wasn't out of exhaustion. It was out of love and relationship that after six days of creating, he paused. If it, it, we, we get caught up in Christian language, so I'm sure a lot of you have heard about a Sabbath and Sabbath practice for a long time. We, you know this commandment. Uh, we, we, it's, it's one of those we just discount and, or we've, we've minimized it to that means you gotta go to church on Sunday. Well, you, you can, you can go to church on Sunday and still not observe a Sabbath, right? Uh, Sabbath isn't, uh, about going to church. It's not about doing. It's about what we don't do. We operate 24-7. We have stores that are open 24-7. Our minds, for a lot of us, work 24-7. What God is asking us is that instead of working 24-7, we were never designed to work that way. We're supposed to work 24-6. 
And for one day every week, you need to pause. Stop. Related to this is his idea of giving. As, as he continues in the law, he also gave him a pattern of giving that we call tithes and offerings, in which he said, when, whenever you are raising crops or raising livestock, I, out of the best of what you have, out of the first fruits, I want you to give it to me. That's counterintuitive for an agricultural people to take the best of your crops and give them away to the Lord or with your livestock, to take the best of your livestock that would be good breeding stock and bring that to sacrifice. But it's just like the Sabbath. God was trying to to help the people understand, I'm going to interact in your life in a divine, miraculous way that doesn't make sense, but if you're willing to follow me, you will be more fruitful than you will ever be without me. It makes us nervous in our culture not to have something to do. We, we, we panic if we, and we feel guilty when we don't have something to do. Pastors are some of the worst people. Whenever I get with other, I don't have very many pastor friends. Pastors are stupid, but, um, whenever you get together, it's like this competition. Well, I, I spend, 78 hours a week trying to bring my sermon together. Oh, well, I've spent night. Shut up. No, you didn't. And if you're doing that, why don't you get out and live life a little bit and then you won't have such a hard time putting your sermon together, right? We, we love to compete with each other of how busy we are and how much we have going and, and how, how important we are. It makes us feel guilty if, if we take a nap in the middle of the day. But what the Sabbath practice reminds us is that that's actually the way God designed you. We, blue laws and stuff are not in place anymore. We've lost the idea of a Sabbath on Sunday or, or Wednesday. But um, I'm going to suggest to you the day of the week is not what matters. But sometime, because we do have people that work on weekends and we do have so how do you do a sabbath if it's not on sunday it doesn't matter what the day is but someday in your life you need a pause button you need a day where the laundry stays where it is you know what happens if you don't do your laundry for a day it'll be there tomorrow right you know what happens if you don't go to the grocery store today it'll be there tomorrow Right? All these things, and, but we, we just, we, even, even when we do come to worship, we're, we're watching the clock all the time. And we can't even wait until it's over as soon as the last hymn starts. Let's get out of here. Right? Because it, we, we've got something else to do. We gotta go. We gotta beat the Baptist to the, to the restaurant or whatever. You know, we, we're just always going. And we, we've pushed that culture down into our teenagers and our, and our children and grandchildren as well. That from an early age, we're, we're, we're having them spend hours and hours doing homework because we don't want them to get behind. And, and, and we sacrifice family time and we sacrifice for sports and, and other events and, I know I'm talking heresy now, but we, we, we've made all of those extracurricular activities so important. And in so doing, 
we've removed a pattern of worship that reveals a heart that loves God. It doesn't matter, parents, how, many, how much time you spend telling your kids how much you love God. You need to demonstrate with your life and, and grandparents with your grandkids. It, it's a demonstration as a family to say, you know what? We, we serve a God that has all power. And one of the things He asks us to do in that is to spend time with Him. And so we are going to find time today to spend time together and acknowledge His presence. And we typically make our talk about Sabbath everything you can't do. I just want to give you some really practical ideas of what it looks like. And I bet you, if you think back to your life, um, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know a lot of you grew up in church, and a lot of you probably practiced more of a Sabbath when you were growing up. How many of you had Sunday afternoon dinners with your family? You can raise your hand for that. That's okay. That's not, that's not too revealing of your inner nature, right? Right? And, and, and that was a big event every Sunday. And, and like for a lot of our families, unless everyone was there, it didn't count, right? And, and you came in and, uh, grandma or mom had been fixing food all the time. Uh, they, they, you walk in, you could smell it in the house. There would be conversation and laughter around the table. Well, that's a, that's a Sabbath practice. That's a Sabbath practice. In doing that, you probably, you, you probably have memories. In fact, it, just me talking about it may have clicked you back. Like for myself, it's, we lived 30 miles away from my, my grandparents. And so that, a lot of times that is what we would do on a Sunday afternoon. We would go to church, load up in the car, and then drive to grandma's house. And I just remember walking in and she always had fresh, uh, fresh yeast rolls that she would make. Uh, she always did ham. Um, and, and it just, those smells and, and, and the green beans that are more bacon grease than green beans and stuff, right? But that's a, that's a memory for me. Also growing up in Colorado, uh, back before the Denver Broncos became the worst team in the NFL, and it used to be fun to watch them, uh, after dinner, then what would we do? We'd sit in the chair and watch a football game. And if you were my dad or my grandpa, you fell asleep in the middle of the football game, right? You took a nap. Then uh, we still do this in our house. Every Sunday night is popcorn night. And so we make popcorn. Not microwave popcorn, but the real way to make popcorn with butter and salt and all that good stuff. And us and the dogs have popcorn. And we're passing that along to our granddaughter now, right? Just a day of rest. We weren't, we weren't trying to get to the grocery store. We weren't trying to, to make it to 17 other activities. It was just a day of rest. And it was so refreshing. There's this way that it, it pauses us. It allows us to reset and reload. I just had to do it this morning with our computer. When computers go funky, uh, here's my, my IT training for you right now. If your computer's going funky, restart it. That's the best way to, and in doing that, it, it, somehow all those little bits of information fall back into place, right? 
That's the first step in trying to fix your computer. Just restart it. And, and most times that's going to take care of it. And, and folks, that's what a Sabbath is for us. That in our life, all this busy life with all this anxiety and all this social unrest and all the financial problems and all the war and, and disagreements and church battles and all the kind, with all of that, we, a Sabbath allows us to restart and realign our priorities once a week just to remind ourselves that we serve a God that's bigger than our circumstances. We, we undersell how much of a faith practice this was for the early generation. Their life depended on their farming and their agriculture and their ranchability. And God said, give it to me. Don't take care of your crop on one day a week. Don't, don't keep the best for yourself. Give it away. We read through that and it's like, well, yeah, but they, I mean, that's, they were unsophisticated people. I mean, that was easy for, no, that, their life depended on it. They couldn't run to HEB if the crop didn't come in. It was an act of faith that I'm bigger than your circumstances. I'm bigger than your challenges. And if you will trust me, if you'll trust me, even with the details of your life, I will, I will show up and I'll do a better job than you could ever do on your own. It's, a, it's an invitation and a challenge to you. I, I, that, uh, that um, conference that we went to, there's a, we, we heard a speaker named uh, Matthew Sleeth. He, is a, uh, he, is a, he was an emergency room doctor. He was an, an agnostic doctor that married a Jewish a woman who then got saved in a Christian church and started practicing Sabbath practice. He's very entertaining. He wrote a book called 24-6. I've been reading that over the last month or so. Uh, just a great book on, on, on putting practical ways to practice a Sabbath uh, before us in a modern society. And, and in that, I've just been trying to lean into some of those and, and, and steal away time, steal away uh, rest and not feel bad about it, not feel guilty to put away my phone and not answer it, not look at my email for, for uh, hours at a time. And, and over the last week, uh, they built up. But the stress in my life was getting higher and higher all the time. And, and while I'm preaching to you about depression and anxiety and everything, I'm feeling overwhelmed and anxious and, and all of that. In fact, it got to a point this week, I, I have never done that. I, I came within 10 minutes of forgetting I had a funeral on, on Thursday. I was, I was up in the morning. I had talked to the folks earlier. I forgot to put it on my calendar. I'm talking to my friend on the phone and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit put a thought in my head and I was like, I gotta go. I had 25 minutes to shower, shave and get to the funeral home and the whole, and God stopped time for me on that. But I never do that. But that was just a symbol of how I was allowing circumstances to weigh on me. And I know you have that kind of pressure in your life as well. What God is saying is, 
that, that passage, I've referred to it pretty much every week of this series. Jesus saying, come to me, you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a Sabbath invitation. Come to me. That's a relationship. Spend time with me. What did he do with the, with the disciples? He didn't say, hey, let's all go to synagogue together. He said, no, come follow me. Let's do life together. And in that, they saw a pattern where Jesus, he, Jesus was never lazy, but Jesus also never hurried. And Jesus also never, never felt guilty about hitting pause and stepping away from the crowd for times of prayer and time alone with God. It was frustrating to the disciples at times of, where are you going? Wait, there's people waiting and I need to spend time with my father. We see Jesus at an early age, and we usually use this passage to talk about the, the humanness of Jesus, but uh, at an early age, uh, his parents come to Jerusalem and they can't find Jesus for three days and they figure out where he is and where is he. He's in the temple reading the word and sharing about his father with other people. The life of Jesus points us to a pattern of of work and help, but one of rest, reset, stop, pause, reload, allow the Holy Spirit to do his thing within us. If you if you start to read through the parables with this in mind, most of the healing uh, miracles Jesus did happened on the Sabbath. Why? Because the Sabbath just doesn't bring rest, it brings healing. Sleep brings healing. Rest brings healing. After you've had surgery, what does the doctor tell you? Get out there and run a marathon. No. You need to go home and rest. Right? We have to, we have to, you have to allow your body to get back to where it can handle the, the stress and pressure you're going to put on it. Then you're going to go into rehab and then they're going to make you cry and all that kind of stuff. But until then, you need to rest. We need rest, folks. And, 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 Hopefully this is a part of, of, of your, of your Sabbath practice. Coming to church, that's that pause that we come out of our busy lives. We gather together with the hope and, and, um, a vision on, on changing our priority from what we do and, and what we do in the world to we're pausing our lives that we are going to spend time in corporate worship together, but it doesn't stop at that. Find ways to to unplug. Find ways to enjoy. It, we don't need to. It, it, you know, in the Old Testament, they they took this to ridiculous lengths, and this is what uh, religious Pharisees do all the time. We take the good things of God and turn them into miserable things that you have to suffer through. And and the 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 Pharisees had gotten so ridiculous about sketching out what you couldn't couldn't do on the Sabbath that that. Everyone was afraid of the Sabbath. In fact, you, you see in those healing miracles, every time Jesus did a healing miracle on the Sabbath, who got mad about it? The Pharisees. Well, you can't, you can't heal that guy's hand. It's the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, what do you think a Sabbath is about? 
It's about healing. It's about people. It's about relationships. Yes, in order to have that, that great dinner, your grandma or your mom had to cook. But I bet you that her cooking filled her heart more than not cooking. It was a joy for her to be able to do that for her family. It was a joy for my dad to crank the ice cream maker so we could have ice cream, homemade ice cream. Right? All those, all of those things. It was a, it was a joy for my dad to put us in our four wheel drive. We grew up in Colorado, drive for seven hours on bumpy four wheel drive roads so we could have a 10 minute picnic before we had to hike back down. It was, it was our family time in a car. Stop touching me. You stop. No, no, but it, it was, it was Sabbath. Right? It's not just about not going to the grocery store. It's not just about not doing the laundry. It's about connecting with God, allowing His Holy Spirit to pour Himself out in you in a way that you can't do for yourself. Do you know that? Do you remember? We're watching Denver this weekend. Sydney's two weeks away from delivering her next child. And uh, they had a shower or something that they were doing. So we've got Denver. And um, it's a joy for us to do that. It's tiring for us to do that. But three-year-olds have lots of energy, and that's why you have them when you're young. But um, but yesterday, Taylor and Sydney, Taylor is, is Sydney's husband, uh, they didn't have anything to do. And uh, they called us last night, and they were like, it's just so great that we didn't have to do bath time and, and, and fix macaroni cheese. And it, there was just, it, it was a blessing to have a pause. Do you do a date night? Even if you've been married for, for 75 years, do you do a date night with one another? Do you set up family dinners? And when you do it, is it a stressful thing or, or do you relax and have conversation around the table? Do you invite, do you invite friends over for dinner without getting all freaky about the house isn't clean? Can you relax and take a nap on an afternoon without making excuses of, I don't know why I'm so tired, but I never do that. It's okay. You were designed that way. We can't carry the world 24-7. We really can't even carry it 24-6. But God doesn't ask us to be lazy. He just asks us to remember that He is stronger than we are. In Deuteronomy, there's a passage that as he's leading them into the promised land and he's giving them this law, he says there's going to come a time when you're, you're going to look out your back window and you're going to see your crops are going to be full and green and your livestock is going to be healthy and, and, and plentiful on your land and you're going to pat yourself on the back and forget that I'm the one who gave it to you. And at that moment, you will walk back into disobedience. And folks, if there's something that that defines American Christianity, I would say that that's it. 
He has blessed us in so many ways, poured himself out for us in so many ways, given us more more affluence and and comfort than any other nation in the world. And instead of recognizing and thanking him for that and, and worshiping him for that, we have patted ourselves on the back and thought that it's because of our own ingenuity and our own strength and our own agenda. And in doing so, we've wandered away from the Lord. It's time for us to come back to recognizing we desperately need him. We desperately need him. 24 hours a day. You're going to sleep for, for eight of that, right? You're going you're gonna to do other daily chores for part of that. Ten hours a week. Can you devote that to the Lord? Doesn't mean you have to sit down and do Bible study. Doesn't mean you have to, you have to go back and translate the Greek version of the Gospel of Luke into uh, Arabic or anything like that. We, see, we, we get caught in these Christian games of thinking in order to be a good Christian, I gotta go to 17 Bible studies. And, 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 and I have to study more and do more. And all of that's great. And it helps us to know God more when we open up His Word. But at the end of the day, relationships are the most godly thing we can do. A relationship with Him that expresses itself in our relationship with one another. You're not too busy for your loved one. You're not too busy for your loved one. Find gaps, steal away time, make allowances, put it on your calendar, (laughs) frame some time, give it to God and see what he might do. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, as uh, as we take this basic teaching, this commandment that has been around for so long, And God, for a lot of us, we have experienced sort of the Sabbath day pattern at some point in our lives, and we have fond memories of it. But for whatever reason, we we gave it away and, and we're less because of it. It's doing harm to our families. It's doing harm to our churches. It's doing harm to our souls. It's doing harm to our minds. And it doesn't cost us any money and we don't need any training for it. It's something that's always been available to us. We just resist it. So God, I know for myself, I'm praying that you would you would continue to work on my heart and my mind for this. I, I, I know there's others in the room that are, are watching online that, that would join me in saying, I want to have more of a hunger for a time with God, for a time with family, for a time to rest and relax and reset. Thank you, God, for your patience. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your grace. And we pray that in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.